I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back to our program, Alan White. It's a pleasure. Um, you tell us about Cutting Through the Matrix. That's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. What all do you have on there? I've got talks going back for at least 10 years, uh, piecing this together, giving histories of ancient times and how so much was learned on controlling the population thousands of years ago and techniques that have never been forgotten and how they, it's, you simply use them over and over again and so I, I, I try and put the big puzzle together for the people uh, rather than looking at it's this group or it's that group or it's you find they're all tied together that's what the pyramid symbolizes though the power structures who own and control the resources of the planet and the money system uh, are all in a pyramid structure and the wasteland at the bottom of the pyramid, by the way, represents us, the profane, the general public. All those little weeds you see sticking up, that's called the wasteland. And their job is to perfect society, which means eradicating what they call, and they really mean this as part of their religion, the old man. The old man is he who was born and created imperfectly. Their job is to perfect that which was left imperfect. And that's taught in all the high... Uh, agencies and, and uh, occultic groups, and even the, the ones that are more open, like Freemasonry. So, and they, 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 now they've got the transhumanist societies that are just part of the eugenics movement, the same old eugenics movement. The transhumanists they even had members attending the Bilderberger meeting, and they have they're going full steam ahead. They're heavily backed, big professors and so on at universities. They're backed. And they want to bring in this new man who's part, part cyborg for some, but definitely a new type of human that's, that's created basically in a test tube with all the defective genes taken out and the superior genes inserted. And they want to create a new race of uh, servants that will serve them better, more be much better than the previous type did. This is literally stuff they're writing up, and it's up on their websites and everything, very well-funded web websites. Well, Huxley, Aldous Huxley and what, George Orwell, didn't they? Well, ac actually, Aldous Huxley predicted this more than anyone else. Is that H.G. Wells? Well, uh, Huxley, see, Wells and all these boys, and Wells admitted it too, he did not come up with the ideas for his books himself. Uh, professors in Oxford and Cambridge left piles of data on his desk, and his job, and his team, he had a whole building with pipes and all the rest of it. Uh, their job was to write a story that would fascinate the public around these particular topics for predictive programming purposes, inserting the idea of something to come, and when it actually happens in real life, you're familiar with the idea, and so you allow it to happen. That's their job. So he didn't, it wasn't a great imagination that, that gave him his ideas. Huxley himself um, uh, was, was similar. Huxley was involved in the big think tanks at Tavistock, and uh, the, the big agencies, uh, he was an aristocrat himself. And um, in fact, his grandfather, Sir Thomas Huxley, uh, taught H.G. Uh, Wells and the Red School Tie Boys, all these authors, these budding authors were picked, who had become the famous authors for that century. They went to the Red Tie School, and Professor Huxley, uh, Thomas Huxley, was their tutor. He picked them. 
for social engineering purposes through media and novels and so on. Well, so Huxley, the grandson, took over and still pushed the same agenda uh, to do with eugenics and uh, Darwinism. Darwinism is an essential part of all of this. Darwinism was brought out to destroy the old religions. Now, no matter what you think of the old religions, the ruling elite had to give at least lip service to the sacredness of human life. When when they convinced you you're nothing but an animal, uh, that went out the window. You're you're just breeding, and and, and that's it. You're just an animal, right? That's right. And you've got all these nature programs, all funded by World Wildlife Fund, not, and Prince Philip, the man who says there's too many of us, at the head at the top of that. And, and you've had 20, 30 years of programming the people through nature programs and reinforcing this idea, constant reinforcement. You're just another animal on, the species, on, on Earth, and nothing special about you. You're a freak of nature. And uh, once you believe that, that, that life isn't sacred, they can do what they want with you, and you become the willing victim because you will agree with them exactly as Orwell predicted. So, so um, we uh, we we have this group in England now. Now we have those think tanks over there. I did some real deep research back in the nineties on the University of Essex. Yeah. And you talk about mind research, boy, they're mm-hmm. into it, you know. Yeah. And they have a COGS group over there, Cognitive uh, Psychology Research Group. They have the they have names of white papers. I can't even explain what they mean to you. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> they're oh, yeah. so deep. They're so yeah. deep into this. I, I mean, is this what's taking place? A a deep mind and psychological and philosophical. Research, political research, to make us into slaves more easily molded into slavery? Exactly. You see, when they give us television, and again, Huxley predicted this uh, along with uh, Bertrand Russell, they said technique is short to be used on the public, which will generate all their opinions and the reality, and the, the victims will have no idea it's even being done to them. They were talking about television coming along. And with television... You have now have standardized data given to everybody in a country or a continent at the same time, the same every day. And so you'll all agree with each other. You all start spouting the same opinions, never realizing it's been downloaded into you by the experts again. And so you all think you're sane because you bounce off the same opinions and they've heard it and they'll agree with you. They could be telling you anything. It could be utter nonsense, but that's how they create your reality and your culture. Now, there's declassified information out now, which, uh, which tells you the whole culture industry from the 1950s onwards, that's music, the, the, the arts of all kinds, the fashion, so on, was all run by the C- a department of the CIA. And I've got, I've got all the data here with all the names of people involved. And they also set up a branch in London, England, working with MI6, and another one in France deal with Europe and so for 50 years they've been especially giving the young people a steadily altering culture away from the old system into a new system preparing them for the new life where there will be no family encouraging all the promiscuity etc to ensure there will be no family to bring also on the need for abortions as the outcome of excessive promiscuity because that was always a mandate from H.G. Wells, even in the 1880s. He advocated free love in his first books, in the 1880s, well, and abortion at the same time. 
There was a, where, there was a place called Ashcona, Switzerland. In fact, Carl Jung had conferences there on Gnosticism. Yep. They were they were in the summertime. Well, this was a pre hippie uh, area, and they, and they used to these ultra liberals or whatever you want to call them. I mean, we, it's hard to use labels because it's not yep. really fully interpretive of what we're trying to say here. I'm not down on liberals. I'm not down on conservatives. I'm trying to get to the truth, and the labels get in the way sometimes. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but uh, uh, in in that area there, they talked about many of these very promiscuity and permissivism and, and, you know, just let it all hang out. Those kinds of ideas were very prevalent in that area, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and they, they ran around in the woods naked and everything. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, it was really just do your own thing kind of as Kona, Switzerland, you know? Yes, but you, you know, they tried the whole New Age system. That's what it was. It was the early New Age system there. Yeah, but you know they actually tried it in Germany right after World War One for a period of twenty years. Well, now, now, okay, now some of those elements there in Germany, they're very permissive. I think in Berlin they had a very wild group there too. They were in Ashkona in that mm-hmm. in that period. See, right in that period in there. Yes, and they had the, the wonder folk and so on, and that they had the whole thing to do with the good in the country, have communes. Oh, yeah, yeah, commun- yeah, communes, and yeah. we saw that uh, during the Vietnam era here. You know the that's right undermension and whatever the uh, the underclass, not the underclass, but the counter was it counter culture or whatever. Yes, we got to cut out of here for a second for another break. Uh, we'll be right back. Thank you very much, Alan White. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler along with my guest, Alan Watt. Welcome back, Alan. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Well, you want to take some calls? I better put the call thing out there and see what we can do. Yeah. We're, we're more of a like a lecture type of, of uh, uh, you know, show, really, or program. Anyway, our call-in line is 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. If you have any questions for, for Alan Water or myself... Uh, give us a call, and, and if you have a comment and you want to express some, an opinion, that's okay, too. Uh, where do we go from here, uh, Alan? Uh, we're, we're, we're out here in the Internet broadcasting. Some of us have air broadcasts and so forth. Um, are they going to shut us down or try to in the near future? I know recently yeah. in the Bilderberg meeting up in Chantilly, Virginia, there was dissension about moving too quickly and maybe slowing down a little bit? Was What did you get out of the Bilderberg? Well, I do know that, um, as I say, the transhumanists were asked in, uh, professors and experts, again, in this transhumanist move to create the next kind of human being, and this is not no joke. They have the ability now to do it. And you have to ask, why is that happening? So that means that, that that's going to get pushed out more and more in the media this, this year or so uh, of the necessity of bringing in genetics to create more perfect people. Uh, that's going to get pushed. And I think also uh, that um, I know that Hillary and Obama 
uh, told the press off that very day not to follow them because they had to attend a secret meeting, and I suspect they were both there. I do suspect they were both yeah, there. Yeah, Alex was up there, and I believe, and Jim Tucker also. There, there was evidence that both Obama and Hillary attended the meeting, you know. Yeah. They were in the area, I think, uh, one of the other senators had them over for some kind of a party. And then, of course, they sent, uh, I know Obama for sure sent his reporters on a plane to Chicago, mm -hmm. and he didn't go. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? And I, think, right. I, I don't think that was a cool thing to do. What do you think? I know. And, and I, I can see this, this scenario because I don't think Hillary would, uh, she's she got too, many, uh, too much unpopularity among certain segments. However, making her vice president is a way to get her in, especially if Obama eventually stepped down and she would take over. So um, that's probably what's on the cards. Uh, because we know, that, we know for a fact, as I say, uh, that, see, the Bilderberger is tied in with the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. They're all tied together. Sure, sure. And as I say, Professor Carl Quigley did say that. He said that they, they, always, they had been picking their leaders for 50 years in his day. That was in the 1960s. And he said they picked the leaders on both sides and the top advisors on both sides. He says the, the lower politicians are allowed some competition at the bottom, but the ones at the top are all on board with the same agenda. They've been vetted. So it doesn't matter about left-wing or right-wing. They've both been vetted by the same agencies to make sure they will fulfill their part in the agenda. And so it doesn't, I, I say that they're all interchangeable. The faces and the names and presidents, prime ministers, they're interchangeable today because because um, one can easily replace the other. They're all groomed for their position. Sure. Yeah, good, a good opinion there, a good, good statement. What I see on this Obama dynamic, though, is that it, he's anti-war and all that, so it's going to take some of that energy and hatred and resentment out of that the group and the, his followers. See what I mean? Yes. But sort of pacify in, them and make them feel like they're really getting something, right? Yeah, and once yeah. he's in, he'll, he'll just say it was impossible to pull out now. There'll be chaos. I've heard Britain do the same pull the same stunt over the years, and uh, that's exactly how he'll play it. So we'll have to carry on for a while there, he'll tell them. And he's also for, he said in one of his last speeches, which is interesting, this move towards the city, get you all into the city, he said um, cities are the answer, not the problem. And so he's all for the greening and getting us all off the land into the cities according to Agenda 21. Yeah, the, the the key to seeing what, where they're headed in Iraq is the they've built these new refineries, right? Like you're saying. Yeah. And these big oil companies are going back in there, and they're going to mm -hmm. have to have security for those facilities. They're yeah. going to be there for a long time. Well, Britain said at the time because Britain, remember, was in was over there for about forty years, setting yeah. up uh, those countries. That's why they have those straight lines uh, along the border there. Right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, that's why they, they sort of drew these lines in there. The, well, you know, you know how that British thing got started from what I can uh, discern? Mm -hmm. that they, yeah, need, yeah. they needed border fuel for their fleet and their, their freight, you know, their, right. their trading fleet throughout mm -hmm. the world and their war uh, ships, see? And that's yeah. what they needed that, that fuel for. And Winston oh, oh, Churchill yeah. at the time was the Navy secretary. Said at the time, he said there's so much oil under Iraq. He says eventually we'll have to invade that country. Okay, yeah, uh, Alan, we've got Jeff from Texas. Jeff from Texas, what are your questions for Alan Watt? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, ask Mr. Watt what he thought about you know all of these things that are that are happening are, are not by accident, yep. and there's several people who 
have uh, talked about this uh, for about a decade now. You know, Alex Jones talked about, you know, America destroyed by design. And and uh, I wanted to ask Mr. Watt what he thought about, um, well, the combination of the Federal Reserve. We have the international bankers, which I call a den of vipers, um, who are controlling our economy and, and among other things. And then we have the United Nations, and I heard Mr. Watt mentioned Agenda 29, and there's so many other things uh, that the United Nations are doing uh, that Ron Paul has talked about. Uh, and then we have the CFR. I also heard Mr. Watt mention the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations, which they actually have on their own website. They talk about a one-world government, and we have a lot of members of Congress, which are yeah. CFR members. And I wanted to get his thoughts on... Um, how all of this plays in together with the CFR, the Federal Reserve, and the United Nations, and this new world order, this one world government that uh, is being created before our eyes. Mm-hmm. It's quite simple. Uh, the whole moneyed system, starting at the very beginning, around 800 BC, when they first coined the money, uh, was a con trick from the beginning because it got between people who bartered. You had a third party there who allowed you to use the coin that he gave out in exchange. And it worked fine as long as that went on. But he didn't, of course. He was a guy who supplied the coin. He's a guy who, who, who decided eventually how much it was worth. One, one week he could buy two sacks of oats. Next week he says, oh, it's devalued. You can only buy one. And it's, this trick has been on ever since. And along with that comes debt. So money is a key. Now, they'd, they'd already had the, the 12 banking families set up after... Uh, Bretton, the Bretton Woods Agreement to do with the, the basically doing away with, with the gold standard and issuing paper money in lieu of it. And that was, that was all signed, sealed, and delivered for, for the world. And since then, they've inflated all the, the prices of everything so much and devalued all currencies so much. See, money to them is a means to an end. They don't need the money. It's only important that we all use the money and believe we, we really need it. This is how this simple trick works. But they've also gone after the, the entire resources of the world, everything that you need to live on. And that was set up by the Royal Institute. That was their part in that to go after. They've been doing it for 100 years, taking over the mineral resources, water, etc., of the planet. Jeff, did you want to hold over for the next, uh, after the oh, next yeah, break? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, no we'll, we'll hold you over there. Uh, we're going to move out of here for a few minutes. We'll be right back. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler along with my guest, Alan Watt, and our caller still on the line. Jeff, what else do you have to say or question? Well, yeah, I'd like to uh, make another comment if I could and, and see his thoughts on this. Um, the Council on Foreign Relations and its countless tentacles of power and money and influence and the propaganda which are wrapped around all levers of political power in Washington uh, which reach into the schools, the churches, the respective civic organizations in America, and which control the major media communications, which are insinuated into controlling positions in the big unions and, uh, you know, even have a big grip on the prestige and money, uh, some of the major American corporations. 
but I wanted to uh, ask his thoughts on, uh, I don't know if he's done the research, but it's, I think it was the March-April term of the 1960 grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, condemned the Foreign Policy Association literature as insidious and subversive. And the American Legion uh, Post actually published, uh, I think it was the truth about the Foreign Policy Association to document the grand jury's findings. And, of course, the, at that time they, they tried to play it down. But, um, of course, the, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, in case they forgot, we have a little body of law called the United States Code. And I wanted to see his thoughts on um, any chance that the department that, that calls itself justice or any of the uh, federal law enforcement uh, can get some of these people for conspiring to, to destroy the United States and bring us into a one-world socialist system, uh, which is even posted on their own website. And I wanted to see Alan's thoughts on that. Well, that won't happen because even during the McCarthy era, when they had the witch hunts and so on, Sherman uh, McCarthy was a, a climber, but he was also right in different, even for the wrong reasons, he was right. There certainly was a great movement, and of course, during the investigations into that, various people were uncovered that definitely were involved in what was thought to be the communist side. But you, you'll find that Carl quickly explained that their organization, meaning the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, will play both sides and often will, will be seen to be almost communistic and definitely globalistic. So uh, you find that these guys have been at it for a long time and you cannot get someone uh, in a high position in the court in these days who, who will actually speak for the people or do his duty for the people. They're all bought and paid for. They've all been vetted and, and uh, they know their, their agenda. They know always to vote for the agenda and to save their own people, by the way. Uh, it's completely taken over, completely taken over. You can't uh, sort of leave, leave the log cabin and work your way up into these positions. And, and to be honest, uh, the ones who are put into these positions are well vetted for their opinions, for their associations they already belong to, and then they're given uh, the judges' positions right up to the Supreme Court. You so know, that's just the fact of it today. You know, Alan, there's a there's an interesting tid, tidbit about the Joseph McCarthy, uh, you know, problem there. Uh, there yeah. was a there was a Bilderberg agent inside the White House as an aide to Eisenhower, mm-hmm. and he had attended the. I'm trying to remember his name. It, it, it slips my memory. But I, I examined some of the memos from him that circulated within the top uh, aides to Eisenhower, and there was a debate going on as to whether or not to let Joseph McCarthy continue his investigation or to go co- to to come down hard on him. And this particular Bilderberger guy, I believe, was given orders to come down hard because. If Joseph McCarthy's investigated, uh, investigation had continued, he'd uncover this very network we're talking about right today. That's right. See, it was already firmly in place. And, and if, if you go back to the Norman Dodd uh, for the Rees Commission, where he investigated the big foundations, because they seemed to be doing everything that was anti-American, and almost pro-Soviet from the outside point of view, and funding all of the big, big NGO groups and so on in a Soviet-type fashion. Well, he went to the, the Rockefeller, Ford and Carnegie and all the big institutions. 
and the heads, the CEOs of the Ford Foundation told Norman Dodd, he said, our purpose is to blend seamlessly and quietly the Soviet system with that of America. They told them right out. That's why they funded all these NGO groups and so on. But they were so well protected from the top. In fact, the guy said, we report to the White House. So from the top down, this was the, the known agenda back then to, to merge the Sovietized system with the West, bring the two together, the Hegelian dialectic. And that's what we have today. Look at all the KGB guys that brought over to be head of Homeland Security. Hey, hey, Alan, I've got an uh, interesting little... Uh, hey, Jeff, does that answer your question? Uh, yes, sir, it does. I oh, just, okay. I just wanted to say one final thing. Okay. I, I don't believe that the American people realize how entrenched the CFR is in our government. It's, they're not only members of Congress. We have CFR members throughout the executive branch and, yeah. and uh, you know, throughout our government. And... Uh, their tentacles are, are, are running really deep, and uh, I think something needs to be done about it. And that uh, I think that there is uh, some legal avenues. I've, I've studied federal law for about seven or eight years now, and I think a writ of mandamus is an avenue that we can start implementing. It's a, it's a powerful legal tool that can be used against the CFR. It's a power le legal tool that can be used against the United Nations, the Federal Reserve, and to uh, enforce... Uh, the rule of law, the Constitution, and that's what I wanted to say. A writ of mandamus is a very important, powerful legal tool that the American people, uh, the powerful lawyers in Washington, D.C., and legal organizations can use against these tyrants, I mean, that are trying to destroy our country. And I... I uh, well, that's an optimistic viewpoint, but, but, I mean, I would support that, certainly. But uh, you remember Janet Reno, what she did during the uh, Ellie and Gonzalez affair? Um, Janet Reno, when you're talking yeah, you remember when the little Cuban boy was, uh, was there was controversy about returning? Oh, him? yeah, down in Miami. Well, you know what she did, don't you? Do you remember? She went in there and snatched him and took him back to Cuba in, in violation of the very process that she said she was trying to, that she said she represented. <laughs> See what I mean? So these people up there are tyrants and yeah. they'll, they'll just snub their nose at you and, and just, you know, ignore totally any kind of legal process sometimes if it yeah. doesn't benefit them or, you know, they want to find against you. You're playing in their George, courts. That's a problem. Yeah, but when George Bush came out with his declaration, after 9-11, a legal declaration, he said to the public, he said, you're either with us or against us. He was telling every individual in the Americas that this is an agenda, and if you don't go along with it and you're not backing them up, you're his enemy. That's what he was telling you. That was a war declaration on well, the people. You know what? That, that's interesting, Alan, because... There's a characteristic of these kinds of tyrants and, and psychopaths and so forth, and that's intimidation. Yes. That, that was pure intimidation. You find it when a, when a husband is a wife beater in a family. You find it when you have dictatorships and, it, and they're intimidators. Yep. And the more you give in to the intimidator, the more you feed that beast. Mm -hmm. Oh, certainly, and I agree with you guys. And I tell you, the department that calls itself justice has completely become politicized. It's and, corrupt. It's totally yeah, every, corrupt. Everything that they do is politicized, and, and they try to sweep everything under the carpet. Well, and, well, 
Yeah, Jeff, what's happening in, that I see, all this security stuff is political. It's to get rid of their political enemies. That's what this whole security, homeland security stuff is about. Absolutely. It's all political. And it's to, to, form, to form a very authoritarian, statist, federalist, centralist government that is dictatorial and fascist in nature. They're conditioning the American people, in, in, in a sense, brainwashing the American people exactly. to, to conform to their uh, authoritarian, their, their, their draconian, draconian controls. Exactly. And Alan Watt has been the best in describing many of those. Oh, certainly. Uh, uh, yeah, Alan has done some great work over the years, some fantastic Well, work. thank you very much, Jeff, for your, for your questions and, and your comments and your contribution. We certainly value your, your opinions. Okay? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Alan, we've got to move out of here, and then we'll come back for our last segment. And Charlotte Littlefield-Brown, you know what she always makes me do, Alan? Uh-huh. Look on the bright side. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Well, search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back, Alan White. That's a pleasure. Okay, Alan, you know who makes me go positive the last uh, segment? Oh. Charlotte Littlefield-Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. She, she, she's, uh, she's off tonight. But I guess it's not such a bad idea sometimes, is it? <laughs> it's not bad when you, when you realize there are ways to, uh, whether it'll ever happen, I don't know, but there, there are ways to, to alter the course of this. And you have to think outside the box. And you can only do that by realizing all that's been happening is at an ever-increasing pace since about 1950 or 60 onwards. And that was the total degradation of society. That was an intentional, worked-out scheme, and it was promoted all through society by the culture industry. Uh, we find that people like uh, Huxley and uh, Bertrand Russell talked about creating apathy. Apathy was a great tool for guiding the people. Once you get them apathetic and despondent, you can really shape them in a new society very quickly. And we've watched society go down the tube. We've seen the planks of the Communist Manifesto pretty well all be accomplished. And, and we, we, it's, it's inadvertently called the Communist Agenda for the Dissolution of the Family because H.G. Wells was promoting that in the late 1800s on behalf of the British aristocracy since he was a pupil of Sir Thomas Huxley. It, this was a one group running both sides at the top with a Hegelian te- dialectic technique. Now, as I say, they've tried to convince us with scientific indoctrination, that's what they call it, scientific technique and repetition that we're just animals and there's nothing sacred about you. And when you allow yourself to believe that is true, you allow anything to be done to you and to others. When we regain our ability and our respect for ourselves, if we can do that, then you'll find people becoming indignant and standing up for the rights once again. And that's what we have to do. We have to, we are the only generation with a memory, with a memory of rights. There are children growing up now that in a few years will be in the military and all they've known is martial law. 
So we have a retention of what freedom is supposed to be. And we better start being very indignant very quickly. And in a short space of time, the public service communities have reversed themselves into authorities over us. It's time to put them back under the kitchen table as the servants, and very quickly. Exactly. You know, Ron Paul's campaign for liberty, have you heard of this lately? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It Right now, I'm looking at the site. It's got 61,188 members signed up since last Thursday, a week ago last Thursday. That's quite a bit for, for uh, eight, nine days. Yes, and we have to also concentrate on the, the military and the police and every other service. They're supposed to be there to serve the people. And we've got to start bringing that you, terminology back. You know, you know you, you've touched a lot of hearts out there, and I, I'm trying to touch a few hearts myself. We had, mm -hmm. a, we had just a wonderful experience down last, last weekend. We, we, we took over a senatorial district here in South Austin and, and dominated it, and we basically came out with 30, 32 members, uh, 32 delegates out of 36 that were Ron Paul delegates to the state constitution. Well, we had one lady in there that, that got mad at us, and she quoted, she was quoted to a local newspaper that we were like Hitler youth, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know who our friend is, or who our new friend is now? She is. Yeah. We made friends down there. We made up. And you know what? We forgave one another down there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She yeah. forgave us for taking over, and we forgave her for calling us names. Yes. It can people, happen. It can happen, see? People, as I say, a good analogy is Plato's Cave. And he wrote a very good uh, allegorical story about how you're brought up in a cave, and that's all you know. And... The whole philosophy of reality and life builds up in that cave. You discuss it with each other. You don't see the outside world. One gets out and, and travels the world, comes back and tries to tell them there's a big world out there. Well, they refuse to, to comprehend it because it's outside their reality. Well, that's how most folk are. They're segmented into to different factions of indoctrination. These are all com compartmentalized. And you have to be able to bridge those gaps very quickly through commonalities. What affects them? Do they love their children? Do they love... Once you get into established bonding and so on and commonalities, then you can cross over and then you can start the education very carefully and, and tell them, do you want to, your children to get brought up in a total surveillance society where they want you to be completely predictable from birth to death every day of your life? Or do you want the right to have freedom? You see? And you, you must, what you're giving them back is their, their, their ability to say, yeah, there is something sacred in me. I, I have these rights. Uh, some guy at the top cannot say he's better than me. Uh, no public servant can start throwing me into jail because of a new policy that no one's agreed upon. If the people don't agree upon it, it's no law at all, you see? And yes. you throw it out. And that's what we've got to do because we're the only generation with a memory of this. Yes, that's right. We've got to keep that memory of, of the past. And he, here's what I see. I, I, I promulgated and, and put forward what I call the new school uh, a number of years ago. And, and the new school would be where free men would study the history of education and the many reasons and misuses of schools yep. and education. In other words, the schools have been an indoctrination center, not a freedom teaching center. 
That's right. And Gatto uh, put the book out on it with the history of it. It's well documented. Yeah, John Gatto. Yeah, and then also uh, Isserby, Charlotte Isserby. Yes, and also read the, the writings of uh, Daniel Webster because in his oh in Daniel his Webster was good. Yeah, and, and he also said that they were creating a, a, the, the, the 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 school system that become standardized because they would decide what kind of citizens they wanted to serve the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, on that Isherby book, I read it a number of years ago, I think it was in the 90s, she said that they marched, the, the Prussians marched the, the farm boys to school. It was mandatory, and I yeah. got to thinking, why was it mandatory? Because they needed citizen soldiers to die for the money changers and the wealthy. See that—that's what it was about. So, so schools have been indoctrination, you know, centers to to further and to to, to uh, support the wealthy and and the and the money. That's right, and you also find that uh, Prussia and and perhaps Germany, if you go to Karl Quigley's books, he said that the Royal Institute in its early days with the Lord Milner Group and the Cecil Rhodes Group were funding uh, the Germany before World War One to become a superpower against France. So they were encouraging that whole education system and putting money into it. So London was behind that, too. Yeah, boy, I mean, London's got, boy, they've got a lot of uh, uh, brilliantly uh, evil people, you think? Yes, they do. And there's a good movie. It's called The Good Shepherd. It's out now. Uh, it shows you how they, they blended the OSS in, with the CIA and MI6 in World War Two. And there's a lot of little good catching bits in there because... They tell you that we're going to the masters of deception and and black propaganda. London, they've, they've been at this for centuries. That's what they said. Well, it looks movie. like to me it's a great confounding mechanism. Uh, you know, it's to yes. confound us, to mix us up, to keep us off guard, to keep us fearful, to yes, keep us uh, in, in a delusion. Right. This system right now is an abusive system. It's based on abuse, on fear keep you in fear of everything that you need to survive and for those that you love as well. Hey, you know Everyone what? is on edge. You know, Alan yeah. Watt, you've written some what you consider to be beautiful music, have you not? Mm-hmm. So an animal can write beautiful music, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I've written a few things like we're going to end with one of my little songs now, Light a Little Candle. You've touched many hearts, and I think I've touched a few. I hope I've touched a few myself. And we I'm certainly sure. appreciate what you've done in this for this world. And um, if we can just keep going and touch hearts and, and men's souls and, and this lady that we made up with, that, yeah. that, that's grace. That is grace and that's true power. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. It's, where, it's where, where goodness can triumph over evil. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to do. And thank you very much. We ended on a positive note. Charlotte Littlefield Brown, we did it. Okay. <laughs> Alan Watt, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. God bless you.